Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this week's segment of Live Without Limits. Today's show, and let me tell you a little bit about the purpose of our show. And this is to help you to understand how you can pull it all together. And what we are doing is... Now, I'm your host, Davida Shinsky, and you're listening to Reach Personal Success on a Daily Basis to Learn to Live Without Limits. And we want to help you to understand purpose of living without limits and also to help you understand how you as an individual can take things to the next level and be that person that you really want to be and also to help you understand the purpose of what you should be doing. So, now, what are your defense mechanisms? There are five common reactions that you will relate to. In an 1894 paper, one of the most influential people in psychology, Sigmund Freud, introduced the concept of defense mechanisms. This was later refined by his daughter, Anne Freud, when faced with an uncomfortable and stressful situation, our brain does the best it can to escape the negative feelings and learn how to cope. If you touch a hot stove, you will immediately remove your hand without even thinking about it. In the same manner, our brain protects itself from feelings such as guilt, shame, and anxiety. Now, Let's back up and let's look at some things. And Freud is known as the father of psychology. And he looked at everything through dreams, in the dream state. And today we understand a lot more about psychology and we understand how the relationships around us and how the people who are influential in our lives can set, her up, can set us up for failure. And when you look at those things, then that's the things you hear in your head. In transactional analysis, it's called, or rather in TA, it's called the parent, the adult, and the child. The child says, I want. The parent says, you should. And the adult says, I am able to. 
when you look at those things, when you look at the conflicts, when you understand that what you are doing is internalizing the things that people have told you over and over again and taken them and made, put them in your head so that you're automatically repeating them to yourself, then what happens is you take on that negativity and you create your own limiting beliefs because you bought into what other people have told you about yourself and told you whether or not you're capable or incapable of. And the idea is to understand this, that what they're doing is putting limits on you because they have limits on themselves. And if you allow them to do that to you and not change your behavior, then what happens? You stay stuck and you create your own limiting beliefs. Therefore, you need to put yourself in a position where you can, like in the laws of attraction, take affirmations and rephrase things so instead of them being negative, they become positive and they help you get beyond those limiting beliefs and allow you to stop putting the brakes on whenever you try to set and achieve a goal. Always recognize where you're coming from and why these things happen. So one way that we do this is through defense mechanisms. As these are subconscious, we often do not realize their existence and overall impact. Self-awareness will help us to understand ourselves more and override these defense mechanisms so we can effectively face our true feelings and responsibilities. Moreover, getting a clear understanding of these mechanisms will allow you to also improve how you interact with others. Freud called it the id, the ego, and the superego. The superego being those subconscious thoughts, the ego being those conscious thoughts that you're having and how they interact with each other and how they are they create the conflicts that you're feeling. Understanding how you have to recognize what those conflicts are and how you can change things around so that those conflicts are no longer there and you can get beyond those beliefs. So what are the five common beliefs? defense mechanisms that you might relate to? Well, the first one is disassociation. Remember, this is Freud talking. And what is disassociation? Well, the mechanism is centered around mentally escaping a traumatic experience. When using disassociation, we separate our mind from the body or the environment. This way, we protect our mind from the trauma and stress. Eventually, we might have difficulties remembering details 
of a trauma experience when explored in the long term. One can have challenges staying present. For instance, a nurse working in an ICU might protect herself from secondary trauma by imagining herself working in another less traumatic section of the hospital or even a whole different profession because the mind also separates from the body. She could start making mistakes that she otherwise wouldn't. Now, let's look at what happens when someone is attacked and beaten or raped or whatever. They tend to bury those feelings and emotions so deep that they forget they even happen. But here's what happened. You may not remember the situation that caused it, but you are feeling the trauma. Also, think about it this way. Say you were caught outside during a thunderstorm and lightning hit and the tree in front of you when it hit the tree in front of you, then what happens? Well, the tree can go down if you're in a buggy or if you're in a car, it can cause an accident. And then what happens after that? Every time a storm comes up and every time you see lightning, that fear that you experience when you actually were in that situation, rises up, and then you react that way every time. Now, it can also be secondary because what happens is while you're experiencing that, your child learns from you to react the same way you do when a thunderstorm comes up. And for them, it's not real where it is a real experience that you had. So understanding the difference and your reaction to the different situations is how you deal with different situations. Displacement. This happens when we are unable to direct negative emotions towards the appropriate individual or end up directing them someone else. To, you transfer your frustration from the target because of several reasons that differ depending on the situation. This is common for adults and working people. For example, would be after having a stressful day at work, where you had a meeting and no one seemed to be listening to your ideas, desperate then being the best and most definitive ones. You become very frustrated. Instead of telling your colleagues how you feel, you let out your anger on your partner or kids or other drivers on the road. It is not always easy to directly communicate 
with the target, but displacement can result in your running other relationships. Learning how to effectively communicate can help active misunderstanding and conflict more effectively without hurtling or hurting others. Here's what happened. It's called, kind of in, in an essence called passive aggressive. Like in my situation, my mother was very abusive, and now my younger sister has taken on her behaviors in how she retreats her sisters. Why? Because many, many years ago when we were very young, or rather when I was a baby and my parents were building our home, it was supposed to be a three-bedroom home. And when someone said, said to my mother, oh, now when your brother-in-law leaves the military, he can stay with you. My mother, instead of saying, well, I have two children, each of them get their own bedroom, what she did was she just made it and cut out the third bedroom so that it ended up becoming a two-bedroom home. Then when my, when my youngest sister came along, there was no room to put another twin bed in there. So what did they do? They, put, they got a day bed for her and that she would sleep in at night. So she resented that so much that when my mother eventually moved down to Florida with my older sister, instead of getting her a bed, they got her a trundle bed, which meant that it really was not a bed and it had rails and it had a back. And it, and it was just, it, I can remember when I stayed with them, it was so small that, that I was always kicking the rails. I, I could, I, I was like so restricted in how I could move. And when I sleep, I stretch out. And I don't turn, I just roll over. It's, and I have a queen-size bed, and I literally sleep from one end to the other end. And I don't know how my sister was able to sleep in that. The thing is that eventually they wanted to get her a new mattress, and because that they were running a sale, they got her the the whole set with the bottom and the top and the rails for the center. And then when we went to leave, my younger sister wanted to put that mattress on the trundle bed because she did not want her to sleep in the bed she paid for. So what happens? What my sister had was make, going, making her bed back, and my other sister took the mat and pushed her with the mattress in her hands onto the rails of the trundle bed, and she thought nothing of it. And my mother sat there and did nothing and said nothing to her. She allowed her to do that. But here's the kicker. I was with my mother, and because she created and loved having a hostile environment, because she grew up in a hostile environment where there was always arguing, she, when I tried talking to her, she heard what she wanted to hear, and she denied everything else. 
Well, then she thought that she was going to control me because she couldn't control me any other way. But by going to the courts and filing papers that said I was physically abusing her. He's a woman who emotionally and verbally abused me for years and constantly told me what I couldn't do and trying to say that I was doing elderly abuse to her. And then when they never served me the papers, she came back. Then when I went back to Atlanta, I did not speak to them for three years and literally felt like you mistreated me and then you were trying to turn it on me. And I literally would have disassociated myself from them completely long before that. Uh, when, when, they, when she moved to New York, I was, I was just got out, I just graduated from college and applied to graduate school and got into graduate school. So I was still living with her. And my mother was constantly telling me how I was going to fail and I was going to fail. And when I, when I finally moved down on my own, I did it without telling her that I got a job within my field. She considers it that I ran away from home. I went and lived on my own but she considers it where I ran away. So you can see where her, her thinking was so warped that she really was mentally ill. And now I got a younger sister that is literally doing the same thing, but she controls the money and she uses it as a weapon. And only after my mother passed away did they start taking over payments that would do to me to begin with. Because I, when I worked, I never got the best paying job and never paid it enough into Social Security to get Social Security. So I'm on SSI. And I was $3,800 short of receiving Social Security. Here's the kicker. Had I been receiving Social Security, because I never made a, a high salary, I would have been living on both Social Security and SSI. This way, I live on one. It all comes on the same date. And I'm able to figure out how to pay all my bills. So when you understand, when you grow up in a poor environment, it also creates the situation that you have to learn to adapt to in order to survive. Denial. When, is, when in denial, we refuse to acknowledge the existence of a stressful or uncomfortable experience despite the presence of evidence. This is one of the most common defense mechanisms we use to protect ourselves from having to deal with pain. For example, could be someone suffering from drug addiction but refusing to acknowledge that the habit is getting in the way of their quality of life, despite things like losing their job or constantly taking the drug. They are convinced 
that their drug use is for recreational purposes only. Avoiding reality will allow them to continue taking the drug. Now, let's not talk about it as a drug addiction, but let's look at it in this way. When someone is in denial, and you can also think of it in the, the process of death and dying, that when we have a terminal illness, we go through the stage of denial where we don't want to accept that illness is killing us. And we think that we can go out there and find that miracle drug that's going to cure us. It just is a process you go through. And when you, like my mother came from a very, very dysfunctional family herself. My grandmother grew up in a home where the children, where there was so much abuse that she went, that she constantly fought with my grandfather and cursed him and cursed his family to the point that his family would come and check up on the children but really wanted nothing to do with her. And, so she, and when someone doesn't rec, recognize what they're doing or how they're bringing that on themselves, then that is just where you're coming from. So these are all of these, all of these different stages it, are just so normal in our daily lives in how we deal with different situations and how we accept them and how we allow ourselves to overcome them. Intellectualization. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you use logic and reasoning to avoid involving your emotions? That is intellectualism. A person who is going through a divorce might focus on how they are going to rearrange the apartment or planning how they are going to handle the finances alone. This will distract them from processing the emotions around the divorce. While this can help us effectively come up with solutions, it also results in us understanding and ignoring the emotions. And what we're actually doing here is we're not dealing with the feelings that we have around our situation. And, the, and we are really avoiding dealing with those feelings and emotions that we're having. Understanding that will help you to put yourself into a position where you can deal with things better. Rationalization. This is often confused with intellectualization. However, unlike intellectualization, when rationalizing, one tries to justify uncomfortable experiences with rational facts when using 
this defense mechanism, we do not take accountability for our actions. Hence, we won't work towards improving them. For example, someone who cheats on their partner will refuse to acknowledge that what they did was wrong. Rather, they rationalize their actions by stating that their partner was not giving them attention. So their actions are justified. Now, I'm going to give you a real-life situation. A couple of years ago, rather, I met someone on the, the shuttle bus that we have in our community, and she had just moved out here. And we kind of be, we became, we were not real friends, but we were friends to a point that we would talk to each other. And she did not have, oh, she had a computer, but she did not have the, the access to the Internet, and she didn't know how to go online to apply for her food stamps. So I would do it for her. Well, then she came to me. And first she took this to her companion, but the companion didn't have the money. And when she told me about it, I knew it was a scam. But I was just curious as to what they were doing. So I kind of went on online and I kind of fiddled with some things. And it was like, oh, yeah, you're going to get this. But it's just whatever someone tells you you have to pay for a grant, that's a, a red flag to begin with because the way you apply for a grant is that they send you forms that you have to fill out that have to be in by a certain date, and then they will tell you specifically when they will notify you when or not you've won this grant. Well, according to her, she knew everything about grant writing. And, oh, she just, and she goes, and yeah, and they, what they do is they use real agencies, and they, they got the name of a relative of her grandson's and was using that relative's name. Well, instead of checking it out with them up front before she started asking other people to do something about it, she went to them first. And I knew it was, and and I got him to, to only say I need, and I was hesitating and hesitating, and she kept pushing me and pushing me to send it. So I did, and then all of a sudden when she realized I, I didn't get the money that was promised, oh, let me go call so-and-so, and then she comes back and I pop. Well, she could have, knowing that she was wrong, she should have gone to her son and said to her, I need you to refund some money to someone that they can't afford to lose this money. And instead, she got mad at me because I went to her son and was asking him for the money that she cost me and was mad at me for going to him. So that's not what I call a true friend because why would they take and use you and they get mad at you because you went and asked for your money back. And all she did was apologize profusely because she just couldn't see when she did anything wrong. 
there are more defenseless mechanisms, things like repression, rejection, regression, sublimination, reaction formation, compartmentalization. So treatment for unhealthy coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms can help you escape negative emotions in the short term. However, in the long run, they can be damaging and can foster conditions like depression, eating disorders, addiction disorders, personality disorders, and PTSD, depending on the defense mechanisms that you commonly use are related to mental health conditions that you might have that are several treatment options available. And let's quickly go through them. Talk therapy. This will help you recognize the existence of particular defense mechanisms and the thoughts and feelings that you are bearing in medication. Medication can be effectively used to deal with underlying issues that can facilitate the use of defense mechanisms. Learning how to manage stress will help you open up to dealing with potentially stressful situations as you will be equipped to dealing with ways to effectively deal with. Now, you can go to my website, and that website is the number one personal 